I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds Got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. Where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, y'all? Wakanda. Wakanda. We still at Wakanda because we ain't got nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture. But our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. So, little disclaimer, Lisa Bolakaja is out. Was she on a panel? She's doing something. She always somewhere. <laughs> you know, we, running the streets. You know, we to put her on adjunct status. I know. <laughs> She's not even showing up this season. <laughs> Special guest star. I know. <laughs> okay. Lauren Warren in the house. Hello. Writing herself. What's up, girl? Uh, everything's great. Thank you Welcome for inviting back. me Welcome back. back. Welcome back. Welcome <laughs> back. Um, and, of course, my man in the house, Chris Derrick from the writing directing team, the Derrick Brothers. What's up, Chris? Good things. Good things? Love it. Good things. Excited. Yes. All right, good. There's a little issue I'll talk to you about afterwards. Okay, but cool. otherwise, good things. Right. Very good things. That's what's that. Cool. Well, if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get it to the show. So today, we got my man in the house, Mr. E. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Eric Haywood, y'all. Writer, producer himself. You direct too, right? I direct too, yes. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, you guys know him mostly um, from a bunch of shit, but mostly current thing is... Empire. Actually, no. What you? Are you on something else now? I'm right? on something else now. What you yeah. on now? Empire is is I I am late of Empire and I am currently. I, hate a, I am. Uh, <laughs> I am uh, as of a few months ago. So this is right. fairly new, okay. fairly new development. I'm uh, writing on Power for Stars. Oh, yeah. Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so that's got the video tapes. Yes. Yeah. I'm yes. saying Empire. Okay. okay. Yeah. I thought yeah, you meant. No, I thought no, you were no, referring no, to Power. No. Yeah. Okay. He in the hallway. He was asking me what season we were on. And I was telling him, and we were. Thinking of two different shows. Yes. Got it, got yes. it, got it. Okay, so you over there with them. Yes. That's okay, up. well, that yes. that should be exciting. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, I love the show. Yeah. I love that show. What's up? Yeah. So, for the people who don't know you, let's just give them a little bit of game, like who you are, like how you got to the game. Okay. That's um, enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, go ahead. Uh, let's see. You want me to start from the present backwards or from the beginning forward? Let's what's, go from the beginning better? forward just okay. so people can get it into your head. So uh, born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. Um, from the time that I was in high school, my... Chanel. Chanazo. My, <laughs> <laughs> my, my career goal was to write and direct feature films. Okay. Um, I started uh, working professionally as a music video director. Right. Um, when I was actually still an undergrad um, at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Okay. Uh, my, my plan then was to get enough sort of like production experience, working with crews and equipment and, you know, delivering stuff on time and on right. budget so that when I finally got my big break to do a feature, I would have a little bit of experience under my belt. Okay. <clears throat> um, and in my spare time, I was writing um, feature scripts. Uh, this is even before I knew what the term spec script was. Yeah, yeah. I was just like writing to be writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at a certain point, I said, well, I want to 
go cold turkey from this music video game because I don't want to be some old man directing music videos <laughs> for teenagers yeah. when my, my real goal is to make movies. Mm-hmm. I had written a bunch of features. I wrote one in particular that uh, I was actually in the process of shooting or uh, in pre-production on in Atlanta. My, my intention was I'm going to write this really small, intimate sort of family drama mm-hmm. feature, uh, shoot it in Atlanta with all unknown actors on something, a shoestring budget. Contained. So I have something, yeah, something contained, but mm-hmm. also so, so I would have something tangible okay. to be able to show people. Mm-hmm. Because over the years, I've met a lot of people, and I still meet them, uh, who are are always talking about what they are going to (laughs) do. I am going to do X, Y, and Z one day. I'm going to do this, that, and the other Mm -hmm. as soon as all the stars line up. And I said, I need to separate myself from the talkers and be part of the the doers. Long story short, the feature script that I was working on, um, I sent to some friends of mine out here uh, in L.A. uh, uh, just for feedback Mm -hmm. on on the script on the quality of the writing and all that stuff. I was still scouting locations, raising money from friends and family, Mm -hmm. auditioning actors. We were going. Um, And my friend, uh, who uh, is a producer, uh, called me back and said, I really like this script. Um, I want to help you get it made on a a larger level. Uh, But there's one catch. You have to basically shut down (laughs) your shoestring budget version because Mm -hmm. you can't be working on that while we're shopping it around town. And I said, well... You know, I thought about it, and I said, well, this is an offer that I really can't refuse. Mm-hmm. So I ended up pulling the plug on my shoestring budget version of this movie, um, gave back all of my investors their money with a tiny little bit of interest, mm-hmm. um, and moved to L.A. Mm-hmm. Because my logic then was, well, I have a friend who's a successful film producer who was interested in my script, right. um, and he's going to shop it around. So obviously any minute now it's going to get made into a movie. And I was living in Atlanta at the time and I said, well, I should be in L.A. so I could be there when this thing hits it big Mm -hmm. and I can be in the right place to capitalize on whatever's going to come next. Mm So I pack up all my belongings and I'm I'm loving to this LA. story already because I know it's going, I know it's going to turn oh, yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah, you know it's coming. <laughs> so I moved to LA. I get settled in. And this I is ha- in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little day job to to make ends meet, mm-hmm. and um, but I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get the the ball rolling on this on this film of mine. And the script started going out, started getting submitted to studios. And the first round of feedback came back. Um, there was a studio who said. Uh, to my producer friend, we love the script. We love the quality of the writing. It was a black family drama. Mm-hmm. And at that time, this was 99, mm. um, uh, they were like, we don't know what to do with it. Mm. You know, what, who's, the, who's the audience? Right. But we have some notes for your writer friend that we think you know, could make the script a little bit better. Okay. So my producer friend calls me and said, <laughs> they, they faxed me. That's how long ago this was. <laughs> they faxed me the notes. <laughs> And they said, you know, they're, they're, they're passing on the script, okay. but they had some really good feedback, and we thought you should, you know, take a look at these notes and do another pass. Okay. okay. So I do another pass. Mm-hmm. Script goes out to another studio, exact same feedback. Hmm. Love the quality of the writing. This guy has talent. We don't know what, who the audience is for this movie. We don't, we don't know what to do with it. But, so we're going to pass, but, you know, we have some thoughts. Hmm. That we think you should pass on to the to the writer. Interesting. I get the exact same phone call, exact same facts. Here are some notes from so and so. They're passing on the script, but they had some thoughts, wow. and we kind of think they're they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. So once again, I'm like not knowing any better. Mm-hmm. I take those notes. I do another pass. This goes on for probably about a year, year and a half. Wow. 
And remember, I moved here thinking like <laughs> lightning had struck exactly. and things were gonna gonna happen. In a month, I'll be in the hills exactly. with my eyes and exactly. <laughs> so the the only upside, and I did draft after draft mm-hmm. after draft and rewrite after rewrite of this script. And looking back, I can acknowledge that the script did get better. Throughout, mm-hmm. I mean, just because as a writer, you always right. you obviously you will get better. Sure. As you grow as a writer, you learn certain you know things. Um, you learn what you like and don't like, and you apply those things. So the script got stronger, uh, but one day I just sort of had this epiphany. Um, I, re- I said to myself, why am I doing all these notes and rewrites for people who don't want to buy the script? Mm-hmm. It's not making any sense to me. Mm-hmm. So I say to my producer friend, look, I've done X, Y, and Z number of rewrites. Mm-hmm. How about this? I will happily do another pass for someone who wants to buy the script but I don't want to do any more rewrites right. just because somebody had some thoughts. Right. And he understood. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And then the script sort of went dormant. But along the way, this, uh, what had happened was uh, uh, there was a new TV show that was gearing up called uh, Soul Food mm-hmm. on Showtime. And my script got sent over to Felicia Henderson, who was the showrunner. Mm-hmm. And uh, she gave me my first job as a television writer. Right. Um, from in a the, feature in the business, script. From a feature script. I love it. Um, and, and it just so happened that because my feature script was a black family drama and so if it was obviously a black family drama, mm-hmm. it sort of meshed. Yeah. Um, Felicia gave me a what's, I don't know if people still even do this, but uh, years ago it was common that TV shows would set aside one or two episodes and they would farm them out to freelancers, right. people who weren't on the actual writing staff. They're supposed staff. to do that. There's actually, yeah, they're still supposed to do that. There's actually like a, a, a something that's in the NBA, the WGA NBA, right. that says you're supposed to give a freelance episode right. every season. What usually happens is they, they give, give it to, to the, the assistant. assistant. Right. Yeah, I, I haven't heard of that practice being very common in a long time. Right. Um, anyway, but but at the time, it, it seemed to be fairly common. Sure. So... Um, <clears throat> I wrote a freelance episode for the first season of Soul Food, yeah. which I guess went well because Felicia offered me a job on staff starting in season two. Mm-hmm. So Soul Food was set in Chicago, but it was shot in Toronto. The second season, Felicia was going to direct the season two premiere. Hmm. So she wanted to take all the writers with her up to Toronto so we could c- continue pitching ideas and breaking stories while she was prepping and getting ready to direct. So we get to this former... Canadian Air Force base building, hmm. this huge facility that had been converted into um, film stages. Okay. And one of the first things that we did when we got there, um, because when I got that first episode of Soul Food and even when I got the staff job, I still had the feature filmmaker right. mindset. Right. I was like, well, I'll do this little TV thing for a minute <laughs> until my feature film ship finally exactly. comes in. It'll be a good way to make a little bit of money and whatever. 18 years later. Yeah, exactly. So, so we, go to, we go up to Toronto. And one of the first things they did was they gave us a tour of the, of the Soul Food portion of this building. And, you know, people who work in TV for a while are familiar with this. Like, on one side of the building, there are all the production offices. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the costume and the wardrobe and the accountants and the line producer and all that. And on the other side of the building are all the standing sets. Right. And as I'm walking around getting this, and, you know, on the walls of the production offices, there are schedules. Mm-hmm. Episode 201 is going to be shot this day. It's going to wrap that day. Mm-hmm. Here's where the edit is due. Here's the air date. Mm-hmm. Episode 202, same thing. Yeah. Shoot dates, prep dates, air date. And while I'm walking around, sort of taking all this in, I'm like, wait a minute. So these 
scripts that we've been sort of pitching on and writing for the past couple of months, they actually are going to get shot. <laughs> right. There is a dedicated carbon stone <laughs> air day schedule, so they're going to get seen. Mm-hmm. Unlike my labor of love <laughs> feature film script that I had done 157 drafts of and had never gotten anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that became the beginning of my sort of love affair with TV. Right. I realized, like, number one, you can actually get paid for doing this, unlike mm-hmm. my feature rewrites, which are all uh, un- unpaid mm-hmm. work. Uh, number two, the things that you write will get shot. Some version of it will get shot. Some version, right. Because there's dedicated airtime that has to be filled with, right. the, with the finished episode. And also, I realized that just from the creative standpoint, you know, when you're writing a feature, you have 100, 110, maybe 120 pages to tell your whole story. If you're doing 13 episodes of a one-hour drama, mm-hmm. that's 13 hours right. of story you got to come up with every season. So what do you do as a writer when you're in season seven, episode five, and you've blown through all your cool ideas a long time ago? You got to continue to dig deep, come up with new, inventive, and mm-hmm. compelling stories for the same group of characters. Mm-hmm. And that challenge interested me. Um, so all those things combined made me realize, like, you know what? This TV thing might be the thing. Now, I, again, this is going back some years. This was probably 2000-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that time, feature films were still considered the brass ring. Mm-hmm. The quote-unquote golden age of TV hadn't really hit quite mm-hmm. yet. So I got in right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then over the following, like... There still was some black shows on the air back then. There, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we went through a law for a minute, and then we right. came back. Yes. Um, and I was, you know, exploded. <laughs> uh, uh, so what I was saying was... Um, I lost my train of thought. Um, uh, you were talking about... Um, grass ring features. Right. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So over the past, like, decade or so, like, we've all seen this shift where, for the most part, if you want to write a movie it better have some superheroes in it (laughs) or it better have some dinosaurs in it or it better be a sequel or a remake or a reboot or a reimagination or (laughs) something with a re in it, right? (laughs) See, see this interesting point that that I I talk to people about all the time. You know, like the the problem that hobbled the feature film business is that um, people don't need to make movies because there's no need to there's no need to make a movie, mm-hmm. but they got to make television because they got to fill all that airtime up, right? You know right. what you're talking about, right? And so, but see, but the problem then becomes a situation where, you know, you have to then say, okay, these uh, these IPs are designed to to to, to rein in everybody, mm-hmm. you know, like there's nothing offensive on any level. Mm-hmm. On an Avengers movie, mm-hmm. right? Because people aren't going to the movies as much anymore. For for I think because the kids today, like you know, got weaned. Like their babysitter was the VCR, so they're right. used to going to TV, not going <laughs> to the theater. Um, for those of you who know where the VCR is, it's it's the Betamax. Is that the DVD? The laser disc, you know. See, so what happens is is that you know like. Um, movies have to be like you know like for everybody mm-hmm. like like every movie has to be for everybody and that's not the way that films used to be but television now in the golden age is so narrow cast mm-hmm. 
you know, like is it, that there's you know like the numbers you get on a show that keep a show on the air. Like I think something I think that Mad Men like like I think it never like like broke like a million viewers, right? Really? But, but it was some like crazy and people were like, what the fuck? Like that should never be on the air. Huh. But people talked about it all the time. Right. But who talked about it? It's just like it's just like the media elite in New York and LA. Hmm. But they gave it so much like like disproportionate noise that it stayed on was talked about. That could never happen with the movie, and that's why like movies like had to switch into being like you said superheroes. Mm-hmm. Or these reboots because because everyone's like oh I want to feel that again mm-hmm. you know but if I like you know but but that sense of like uh, doing television is that I can constantly give you something new and the money is so much cheaper mm-hmm. you know and, and 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 I think like like that's the big switch in the dynamic well know? I think I think there's been I'm sorry I think there's been a number of reasons for this shift I think that's certainly part of it mm-hmm. but also uh, when. Hollywood stopped making, for the most part, sort of like mid-budget, character-driven movies, like you know the American Beauties mm-hmm. and the Terms of Endearments. Mm-hmm. TV moved in and filled that space. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now exactly. you don't need Terms of Endearment because you have This Is Us. Mm-hmm. You have right. Terms of yeah. Endearment every single week. Yeah. Right. And what I was going to say is that it's you. We don't get the like you said the smaller ones, but it's also going to the movies is almost. It requires a small loan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I right, mean. Right. So, and TV almost seems cheaper than than movies well, nowadays. Well, well, because well, the, you're exactly if I'm right. Spend twenty bucks per person for a ticket, and then another thirty, forty dollars on food. Mm-hmm. You better goddamn well make sure I'm enjoying what I'm watching. Just so, to have yeah. somebody have their bare feet on the seat, back of the seat, <laughs> next, on the headrest yes. next to you. Yes. Why? Why? Uh, you're, you're paying more for an experience, <laughs> more so than content. And where I can sit in my house in my romper in the AC with all the food that I want for seven ninety nine a month on Netflix or however right. much Amazon is. Like it's mm-hmm. that experience changed because their offering changed and these bankable stars aren't necessarily providing quality content that proves well, that no. gets the return on well, investment. Well that well that, that, that's that's it's the it's not always necessarily the star that makes the star bankable. It's that the type of movie that the star would do that they got you, you know, that you that you wanted to see them in. Like you mentioned something like terms that of we want to see them in, yeah, right? Not but, what the studio people want to see. Well, them well in. yeah, but the but the but, but see now that goes back to my statement about. The, the movie has to be for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, you, like, you know, like, there's movies in the... Like, people always talk about the, the 80s was this great time of movies, mm-hmm. right? And it's true. But the thing about the 80s is that, that, is that, that those movies were so, like, narrowly defined but still did well. Mm-hmm. You can't do that anymore. And it's the whole thing about... It's just, like, it's, it's the thing that happens when you're writing is that you can't please every boss. you got to mm-hmm. please one boss. If you try to please every boss, then it gets whittled down and it, and it feels... It's, it's never... There's no edge to it. There's no, mm-hmm. like, what's this really about? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's, appealing, it's appealing to the grandmother right. and to the, like, 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. And it has to because of the, because of the money. Mm-hmm. But television doesn't have to do that. You know, like, like television can say, let's just appeal to that 15-year-old and make that fucking thing the best that we can. And if people see it, we, we just need a million people to see it. And we're good. And that's why television is, is so great now because it's like, I don't need to worry about the people who, who are in the central time zone. So that that so that that ten o'clock show is a nine o'clock show for them, and the grandmother is up and watching it, and she gets offended. Mm-hmm. You know, like like that, that's something that's out the door. You know, with, <laughs> with, with with television. But I guarantee you, every network wants as many eyeballs as they possibly can get. Right. Even even no matter how narrowly defined their their oh, oh, the, individual show oh, is. Oh, oh that's absolutely true. Have. That's absolutely true. Yeah. But the but the thing but but the whole thing about the the less people is. 
they don't need the same number of people to watch it for it to pay for itself. That's the thing about it now. You know, they're still beholden to advertisers and that and that money and and, and no, shareholders. No, I mean no, no, they oh, oh, no, they are. But here's the thing: it's like this is something that was a big thing. Um, in the negotiations like at the last WGA most shows are profitable before they even air mm-hmm. they're sold all around the world and like right. boom it's they did done. that with our show yeah it's, yeah. it's you know and, and that's how they make that decision mm-hmm. now if they're gonna stay on the air yeah. Mm-hmm. you know because then because there's all these hands in the pie like the you think like you know that's when they gotta get more audience right. yeah. but it's a question about I, I mean uh, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it like it's, it's a benefit for writers to say I don't have to write something for NBC or something like that I can write something for Netflix that is so edgy and it's so niche and it can work and be successful and, and be on for four or five seasons and I've gotten and I've got people are, people are, are not like in my ear saying it's gotta appeal to these people it's gotta appeal to these people it doesn't have to because we've seen too many shows that don't you know and, and those are it's those are some of the shows that we love. Right. Like you take something like Game of Thrones, like everyone's fucking watching that show, mm-hmm. but not everybody. But if you, but that's now deep into it. When it first came on, like people were offended by that show because right, right. there's so much sex and violence. Right. But but just talking about it with like you know the season one end and you hear that kind of stuff, that's what made it like exciting for us to to, to right. watch it. <clears throat> I don't take your spot. So. <laughs> no, no, no. You're good. You're That's why we call it the rant room. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so so uh, where were we? You were you were talking about being in um, in Toronto. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So so the um, I was sort of jumping ahead and saying that the the I didn't know I had no way of knowing at the time, but I was getting into television at a point right before things began to change very rapidly. Right. You know, um, like you were saying, you know, the experience of watching things at home. You know, it's like if you have a 60-inch flat screen, high-def TV, mm-hmm. then, you know, do you really need to run out and even watch Avengers in the theater when you can wait six months for it to be on streaming or on Blu-ray or whatever? So anyway, there's economics, there's technology, there's a whole bunch of reasons why why things shifted. Right. I was just trying to get a job and keep my health insurance. So. <laughs> Because it's key. It's key. <laughs> that writer's guild insurance ain't bad. Look. Um, um, after uh, Soul Food ended, uh, so I was on Soul Food from season two until it ended in season five. Okay. So, so that was a that so was you got a, a chance to work your way up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked my way up to about mid level. I think I had left Soul Food as executive story editor. Okay. okay. Um, and then I went to a what turned out to be a short lived. TV show on NBC called Hawaii, which was a, a big budget cop mm-hmm. show um, that got canceled after, I want to say, seven episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went into that show thinking, okay, well, Sofa was a fantastic experience. Right. It was a premium cable show. It was that niche audience. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but now I'm stepping into what I thought was, you know, playing with the big boys. Right. This was prime time, NBC, major broadcast network, and... Can I, can I ask you a question? I might be interrupting yeah, yeah. No, you. No, no, go ahead. Did you, did you, so after Soul Food or during Soul Food, did you, were you writing other scripts or other, other spans? Yeah, I was or? always writing other stuff. Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Nothing that, that sold, but it was a, more a case of, you know, I did the typical write at least one pilot right. every year. Because I was just wondering, you know, going from Soul Food to a cop show, yeah. you know, that's a big... You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, yeah. I forget what pilot it was that I had at the time. Oh, you know what it was? It was a spec. It was a it was a a West Wing spec. Okay. Again, this is going way right, back. Right. That's the people <laughs> wrote back then. Yeah, right. yeah. Because people weren't writing pilots back. Yeah, then. yeah. It, it, again, it's funny how these things just tend to shift 
in the business and you kind of don't even know that they're shifting until mm-hmm. you just hear one day you've hear you've heard three times in a row nobody's reading uh, pilots write a spec mm-hmm. and then one day years later nobody's reading specs <laughs> because there's five million different TV shows right, on right. if you write a spec of of uh, This Is Us or Game of Thrones. No one's seen the show, probably. Maybe nobody has seen that show. Right. Because the one thing about working in TV is everybody complains about not having enough time to actually right. watch it. Right. Uh, so pilots become the way to really convey your voice as a writer. Back then, it was specs. Um, so yeah, so I, didn't, I did feel a little bit intimidated because I went from a show that was a predominantly uh, black writing staff to one where I was the only black writer. Right. Um, didn't have any issues. It was just sort of my own sort of sense of of imposter syndrome. Like, am I good enough to Did be I in this room? Did I not just talk about that the other yeah, day? Yeah, yeah. I talked um, about it on my show. Really? <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and what was funny was uh, when I I spent maybe the first month on that staff mm-hmm. thinking, yeah, any day now. Yeah, they're going to let me and, Yeah, yeah. Pink, the pink slip is coming. They're going to realize they made a terrible mistake. Right. And I will never forget one day one of the co-executive producers mm-hmm. pitched an idea. Mm-hmm. And the showrunner was like, nah, <laughs> next. And like <laughs> shut it down. But there was no fallout. Hmm. It was just like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. We have freedom here to swing for the fences. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll strike out. It's not a fireable mm-hmm. offense. And then that sort of like alleviated all the pressure that I was putting on myself to think that I had to hit a home run mm-hmm. every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, um, so Hawaii ended very abruptly. Um, and once again, this is what I mean when I was saying earlier, it's like even the broadcast networks, is like they want as many eyeballs as possible. And I mean, you know, Netflix is canceling shows all the time. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as narrow cast as their, their shows are. So whatever metric they use, they have some sort of um, math where they say this mm-hmm. show gets another season and this one doesn't. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they have this weird. It's not a weird thing, but they, they they have this thing where they know how many people is. Oh, I mean, they know, they know. Yeah, they don't but, release those but, numbers. But, but there's but. this it's thing. Like there's fed level of yeah. observation. But, but there's mm-hmm. this thing they know that if, if a certain number of people get to like say episode four, you know, like within like uh, like a month or something like that. Mm-hmm. Then they know they shows it has got legs, oh, okay. but it's some weird. It's something they know that like oh, if people are only watching two the episodes in a month, then this show is not really working mm. because if it's compelling enough, you'll get through. Because I mean, their whole thing is they want you to binge it. They want you yeah. to come in and watch you know like five or six in a weekend mm. kind of thing. You know, like and if, and most of those Netflix shows, if, at least if if I'm remembering correctly, I feel like they get. Virtually no promotion, like like new shows. Right. Yeah. Most Netflix billboards you see around town are shows in their you know second, third, fourth mm-hmm. season. True. You know, Orange is the New Black, Stranger Things, mm-hmm. Glow. Like you didn't see a whole lot of Glow billboards season one. Mm. They just toss it out there, mm-hmm. and if people respond to it, it becomes a hit, and then it gets a second season, and then right. it gets a big a big push. Um, because there are times when I will open up the Netflix app on my TV and get overwhelmed by content right. and by choices. There's five thousand new documentaries that weren't there yesterday. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of new Netflix originals, mm-hmm. and then there's I'm just all like stand up things. And yeah, there's, there's stand up, yeah, a, a, a you know, bunch of animated yeah. shit you ain't ever heard of, right? And then, I, and then I just end up going back and watching the West Wing rerun from 1998 because it's like, <laughs> um, it's too many choices. I know I'm going to enjoy this if right. I watch it. I've yeah. seen it 15 times. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, from uh, after Hawaii ended, um, I got a phone call from my eight my then agents mm-hmm. who said that. Uh, the, the feature script that I came to L.A. with 
and the one that I had polished over and over again had somehow worked its way through this Hollywood system and ended up at the Hallmark Channel. Hmm. And they wanted to make it as a TV movie. Hmm. Um, Because of my experience in the preceding years of working in TV, I was willing to let go of my big screen dreams of it. And also, I thought that, well, if it comes on TV, I had a conversation with uh, another producer friend of mine mm-hmm. um, who had a, uh, this is going back years, he had a, it was a Wednesday or Thursday, and he had a movie coming out that Friday. Okay. And it was coming out opposite a big, what was expected to be a big Adam Sandler movie. This is back mm-hmm. when at every Adam Sandler Adam movie was movie a huge, week, <laughs> and they were, they were, they were all right. hits, one, one right after the other. Right, right, right. And I went to his office to see him, and he looked like, all the blood had drained from his face. He looked tired. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's wrong? And I'll never forget, he said to me, this is the only business where you work on something for five years, and it all comes down to one weekend. Damn. And it sent a chill down That's my real. spine. Because, yes. again, you have to you know, hit a, at least a triple in TV, mm-hmm. you know, at least a double, to, to, you know, when your pilot airs. Because mm-hmm. uh, there are some shows who get canceled after two episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least you have a shot. You know, you have delayed viewing, you have DVRs, you have whatever. Um, and if your little mid-range budget feature is opening up against Infinity War, mm-hmm. then what do you do? <laughs> you ain't gonna you know, you you, <laughs> well, see, yeah, see, you yeah. hope for some you hope for some counter counter programming, <laughs> but, right. but, but 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 like it goes back to my statement about they don't have to make a movie. They don't. Have, I mean, they can make it, but they don't have to put them out. It's like they gotta like. Because they're trying to like game that. They're trying to figure out all this type of like the the best release dates. I mean, I'm listening to this. There's a there's a podcast. It's called Business Wars, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm re- listening to one about um, uh, uh, it's called it's about like a Marvel versus DC, right? Mm-hmm. And they're talking about how um, the 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 Batman Superman was out. The release date was you know was. Like like it got its May date first, you know. Mm-hmm. It has been there for a while, and then Kevin Feige said, "Captain America: Civil War, same day," you know. <laughs> and he said this like about like six weeks out, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Fuck, what mm-hmm. do we do? Right. What do we do?" <laughs> you know. And because of that, and they were like, "You know what? We have to push it." We like you know, it was this whole thing of blink because mm-hmm. they were like, "We can't." You know, like let the yeah, like you said, the whole weekend. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and 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 the whole business, and, and it's not it's not just five years for them. Like they're banking their whole studio right. on that one release date, and now they got to push it because mm-hmm. they're gonna get fucked if they don't. So, and they did anyway. So it's funny because like even if you get number two, and even if you double your, say you made a twenty million dollar movie and mm-hmm. you made forty, it's still not good when they made a hundred. Well, I think it depends. I think think the level of expectation expectation with a $20 million movie is going to be different than the level of of expectation with a $200 million movie. And you keep saying that people don't have to make movies, but I do think on the film side, there's this feeling of hope springs eternal. Meaning, yes, a lot of these smaller and mid-range budget movies tend to get swallowed up, but every once in a while... There's a sorry to bother you. Mm-hmm. There's a blind spotting. Right. There's something that breaks through that that conventional wisdom says probably shouldn't have. Right. And you know, I applaud people who still want to say, you know what, I'm, this, this needs to be a movie. Mm-hmm. We can do it very cheaply. We'll put it out there, and either through 
top-notch marketing or good word of mouth or what oh, have you. Uh, uh, they're few and far between, by uh, all means, uh, but but they're still being made. Well, I mean, I, I say that because I'm a champion of those movies, and I feel like the the the, 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 the battle you face is someone could always say to you, oh, let's not do this movie this year, you know? But it's those filmmakers like that, who are like Boots Riley, who are like, you know, like those guys push and push and push <clears> because <throat> I feel like what those movies do and say is what everybody who has come to Hollywood wants to do. It's like, I want to say my story. Right. You know, I don't want to say so-and-so's story. You, 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 you know, I mean, I mean, yes, there's great money in it, and you find a lot of excitement in it, but, but it's still like you said, the, draw, the thing that brought you out here was, I wanted to, you know, like my story. And, right. and I think that's, I mean, that's why those movies have to be made because, and, it, and, and the thing is, is that those films are not made by Hollywood. Those movies, I mean, yes, Hollywood puts right. them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's what I mean. Like, the biggest thing is, like, if you stuff a circle Waiting around town mm-hmm. is probably it, odds are it's not going to get made. You have to go find that money mm-hmm. elsewhere, and then once you have all the money, you know, then you walk, and then the people you know, like your producer, can go. This is great, and you got the money. I can walk this into Lionsgate, or I can walk this into Focus right. because because I know those people because I party with them all the time. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you, you, I mean, but, but but like that's my point. It's like those like those movies are the things that constantly keep us energized as mm-hmm. storytellers, like mm-hmm. as filmmakers, because right. they always do stuff. That I mean, like it's sorry to bother you, man. Like sorry to bother you. There's some shit in that movie that's like, whoa, right? But and it's it is cool. But that's the stuff that you would never see in a show because yeah. they'd be like, fuck, man, you can't. Are you, are you gonna do that? Are you gonna really do that? You know, like like every every week, really, because it's a lot. But anyway, you could. But I feel like television gives you the option to balance quality and quantity because you have more time to tell a, a high level story and it's more focused whereas like you said you it's not film isn't as forgiving right you've got five years of prep that comes down to one weekend whereas in television you get multiple chances to tell your story and and, and get a home run so there's a little less stress mm-hmm. still stressful yeah but a little less stress with that method of storytelling mm-hmm. so film will always have a place mm-hmm. and film will always uh you know be appreciated but it seems like television just allows you to tell you get more chances to hit a home run than film whatever. Film is never forgiving. Like, it's just not <laughs> right, forgiving. Right. That element of storytelling is not forgiving. You've got two hours, two and a half hours, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like you said, you get 13 hours to build this world. Yeah. Um, and it just seems like it would be a little easier to navigate. Mm-hmm. So what happened with that project? With which one? The, the, the Hallmark one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. we got sidetracked again. Okay. <laughs> um, welcome welcome um, to the show. Long to the story short. <laughs> Uh, uh, Hallmark bought the script. Okay. Um, and then the writer's strike happened. Oh. Um, oh. And uh, we uh, all have a story about yeah. some script yeah. in that year. Yeah. Everybody. So everything. Uh, well, well, let me. I'm getting ahead of myself. So one of the first things that they said was back to budget concerns. They said, you know what? We need to make this movie very, very cheaply. Um, they want to bring in a director who is more experienced than you. So they'll buy the script if you are willing to advocate the director's chair. And I had already had some experience in TV at that point. The script had had gotten me that job on Soul Food, which launched my TV writing career. It got me my first manager. It got me my first agent. I'm like, eh, you know what? The script has done a lot for me already. Mm -hmm. So uh, I agreed to step down. They ended up getting um, hiring Charles Burnett to to direct it and uh, Eric LaSalle to star in it. Um, but uh, first, the strike happened, 
and uh, everything came to a standstill. I love these stories. <laughs> and I'm reading these stories in the trades about how various studios are used, were, were using the strike as a, a reason to pull the plug on certain producer deals. Right. Um, that's the main reason. That's mm-hmm. the main reason. Yeah, and so I figured this would be the same thing that was going to happen to my project, but until I heard that it was officially dead, I was going to just write out the, the strike. Mm-hmm. And then I used that downtime to binge watch a bunch of earlier Hallmark Channel movies. Mm. And if you are a fan of Hallmark movies, they have a very specific tone. Um, and uh, there are certain things you do and don't do in a mm-hmm. Hallmark movie. Um, it's basically, you know, as the name implies, their movies are, are, are comfort food. Right. Um, and then the strike ended. And we all had a big meeting, me and um, the director and some executives from the network, including the, the woman who was the head of their uh, production department. And we all sat down and, you know, we had the five minutes of initial chit chat mm-hmm. um, that kicks off every meeting. And then right. you settle down into business. <laughs> and I said to uh, the lady from Hallmark, I said, you know what? For the last X number of weeks, I've been watching Hallmark movies nonstop. She had, she, when, the, when the meeting started, she started to say, now that we're back and never back up and running, mm-hmm. there are some things we'd like to address with mm-hmm. the script before yeah. we formally, you know, go any any further. Mm-hmm. And I said, "That's." I stopped her and I said, <laughs> "I've been watching your movies all through the strike. I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> here's what you want, and here's what I'm prepared to do." And she sort of sat there with her mouth hanging open. <laughs> and she was, and, and she was like, "That's exactly like the things that I listed were exactly the things that she was going to point out." And I once again happily did a rewrite because I was getting paid for it this time. Mm-hmm. I just want um, to interject one thing. Sure. Preparation, preparation, Always. preparation. Right. Yeah. It's not just preparation. Uh, it's it's like I said. Until you tell me that it's dead. I'm going to assume that it's still up mm-hmm. and you know, it's going to come back when the strike is over. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I felt like, well, I can sit on my hands and do nothing because I'm not getting paid for this. Mm-hmm. Or I can be proactive and say and hope that when the strike ends and we're back up and running, mm-hmm. that there will be some, some concerns that I could see. I mean, it was a black family drama. It was, it was a very black script. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, back to your point, by it being a Hallmark Channel production, they wanted they didn't want to take away any of this cultural specificity, but they did want to appeal to as broad an audience as possible. Mm-hmm. And it was a family drama, so it was already inherently fairly universal. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to do too much, but but there were things, and I've forgotten the details because it's been so long. But right. there were there were certain things that I knew they were going to ask me to adjust, and I went in ready to make those adjustments. And also, the thing about working in TV that that it teaches you, or at least that it taught me is that if you're going to survive, you can't be too precious with your material. Right. You have to be a team player because right. someone's cutting you a check mm-hmm. and they're not cutting you a check for you to take that money and go do whatever the hell you want with. There, there are strings attached mm-hmm. and they're very upfront about it. Mm-hmm. It could be something extreme. Like, you know what? Take the main character and make him a white man. Mm-hmm. Where you might put your foot down and say, no, that destroys the entire point of the story right. that I'm trying to tell. And sometimes there are a lot of smaller compromises mm-hmm. that, you know, when you're in a writer's room and you pitch something and the showrunner says, I like that, but what if it's this? And you say, that's great. Let's do that. Because it's your show and I'm here, <laughs> right. to, I'm here to like, you know, uh, feed your right. vision for your, for your show. Mm-hmm. As opposed to saying, no, it has to be my way. Because mm-hmm. that's the way you don't get asked back to a show <laughs> the, the following season. So you learn, you, you learn the whole process of being a team player and, and not being paranoid and thinking, well, they're trying to destroy my vision. 
Like they're trying to make what everybody agrees yeah. is the best and, version and, of the product and possible. And when they rewrite you, it's not personal. Yeah, yeah, they have to put their voice in there. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. another thing. Actually, just to, it's not just your to, vision. It's, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, 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 that's I think the toughest thing for so many writers to get onto. It's like. You're not making your auteur movie, and you're not writing your great American novel. Mm-hmm. You got hired to write someone else's right. great American novel mm-hmm. series. So go ahead and do that for them, and get your money, and yeah. get your house in Malibu, be straight. Yeah. That was that was actually one of the just to jump back. That was one of the first lessons that I learned when I wrote for Soulful because nobody ever told me this stuff. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever sat me down and said, "Here's how you function as a TV writer." So I remember writing my first episode as a member of the staff. Mm-hmm. And it went through the, the t- what is now, I now know is the typical chain of the rewrite process. <laughs> and when the production draft got published, you know, I hadn't seen it in a couple of weeks, first of all. <laughs> and then I'm flipping through it. I'm seeing like only like 25% of what I wrote had survived. Right. And it was shocking. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, they must have hated what I wrote. <laughs> right. That's where you go to. Yeah. Yeah. Say, yeah. Yes. And so I went to one of the other writers and I'm like, I went into her office and I closed the door. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. Like, if they wanted this, I could have given them this, mm-hmm. but they, what they approved was this other, you know, all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And she said, calm down, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to everybody. Yes. It's just the process. Mm-hmm. And what I now know even more is that sometimes when you get rewritten in television, it's not just a matter of taste. It's like, it's a matter of production yeah. uh, logistics. Yeah. You know, if the showrunner says, set this scene in Central Park, mm-hmm. and you write a scene in Central Park, that can only happen in Central Park. And the line producer is like, we can't get Central Park. Right. Put it in a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Rather than the showrunner coming back to you and saying, rewrite this scene for a coffee, fuck it, I'll do it myself. They just do it. They just right. do it. Mm-hmm. They don't have the time. They don't have the time. Do it to you and, and write nobody write it wrong. Yeah, and, and nobody's worried about your little feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so you get the script back and you're like, what happened to my big epic Central right. Park scene? Cool. Well, little feelings. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just a matter of, well, they didn't like it. Mm-hmm. They might have loved it. But there are a whole bunch of other reasons why it just yeah. couldn't have been done that way. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, I can rewrite the scene in, in, in an hour. Mm-hmm. Rather than come back to you, sit you down, mm-hmm. explain to you, blah, blah, blah. Blah, wait for you to rewrite it right. and then I gotta rewrite it again anyway right. <laughs> let me just cut out all those middle mm-hmm. steps and rewrite it mm-hmm. you know there's also the whole thing that I, that I think that like lower level writers don't know is that um, you know the network and the production company are like are talking about the draft and they have notes and stuff like that and those conversations that they're having <laughs> you're not privy to as a, exactly. as a lower level writer right, so right. when it comes back you're like what again? It's like what happened? Well, there's four conversations and shit about that. Yeah. You know, that, you know that you want. You know, there's a lot to it that I just. You're right that people, but I think, I think that there's more to the point. What you're saying is what is. It's weird in this town is that no one sets you down. Right. And the thing is, is that, you know, like when you got hired on Soul Food, people knew that you hadn't written on television before. They right. all knew that. Yeah. But it's just. It, but, but they're saying. You know what? Baptism by fire. Just mm-hmm. get, yeah. just get yeah. in and do it because who really has time to like explain? And there's other people you hopefully you know who can tell you and what to prep for. But yeah, and I don't think this is even like a premeditated <laughs> thing. But I think also there's a little bit of testing that goes on. Mm-hmm. And other and what I mean by that is we're not going to sit you down and explain to you that you're going to be rewritten. Mm-hmm. We're going to just do our business as usual. Right. 
if you freak the fuck out when you get rewritten, <laughs> then we know that you're not cut out for no. this. You ain't about this life. Right, right, right. No. That's a good point. You know what I mean? <laughs> very good. And like point. I said, I don't believe that it's very like good. that. The, that the that the showrunner and the EPs have all, all have a meeting and say, "Don't tell them that we're going to rewrite them." Right. That doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. They're too busy doing other stuff to to get into that level of mm-hmm. you know deception. Mm-hmm. It's just we're going to do what we do. Mm-hmm. And if you read this rewritten draft and you say, oh, I see what you did. Mm-hmm. And, and the smart writer, if you um, <clears throat> um, um, can get the time, when there's an, a, a lull in the workday, maybe you go to the showrunner and you say, hey, I noticed that you changed this and this. Can you, you know, I've read my draft and I read your draft and I compared them side by side. Can you take five minutes to explain it? And maybe they will, maybe they won't. Mm-hmm. But once again, that's about how you respond to the process mm-hmm. you well, know right if you stomp your feet then okay fine we'll find someone who won't stomp their feet next season yeah because <laughs> it's all at will employment mm-hmm. um but you know what i've heard stories from people say that a lot of times the the upper level producers of they do like to haze the young writers they like to do that because they want to see i mean i i've heard i've heard they say they yeah we yeah, yeah we'll sit around and figure out ways to test them you know like depending on on like you know because 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 it's like you said, like they want to know if you can handle the fire, mm-hmm. you know, because it's a lot, and everyone knows that it's a lot of pressure. And right. and just getting rewritten when probably it was a, it was an easy rewrite. That's not the real fire. Mm-hmm. The real fire is oh, we, you know what? We have to shoot in two days, and we don't like the script at all, so it's all being junked, and and right. we have to redo. We have to do the whole thing over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Like that's the fire, right. you know. And I think that that's where they really want to test everyone's metal. So they're trying right. to find those things. I mean, it's a really, it's, it's a smart observation. Well, I've never been in a room where they make a point of going out of their way to test people, but I do think it's just sort of like part of the fabric of the way things. I think happen. that's very individual for somebody to do. Yeah, that. when I when I just to jump ahead, when I uh, wrote for Private Practice, mm-hmm. um, it turned out to be the last season of that show, and we mm-hmm. only were doing thirteen that season. And there were two executive producers who were sort of the, the co-head writers who answered directly to Shonda. Right. And at some point, it was, it was determined that I was going to write, let's say, episode seven. Right. One thing led to another. I got bumped from episode seven before we even did any writing. Mm-hmm. I got bumped from seven to nine. Yeah, that happens. That yeah, happens all the time. Happens yeah. all the time. Yeah. And then I got bumped from nine to ten. There were all these different reasons. Mm-hmm. And at one point, uh, the uh, the... EPs called me into their office and we said, we're really sorry. We have to move you again. Hmm. You're going to write episode 12. But we promise, I mean, because we're only doing 13. And Shonda was going to write the finale. So there was no other place to bump me. (laughs) But they were genuinely nervous that I was going to blow a gasket Mm. uh, after all these bumps. And they were really apologetic and really sincere. Said, you're going to do episode 612. And I said, Okay. And then at that point, I could see like they've like visibly kind of relaxed, and like mm. we thought you were going to be really upset, and we <laughs> right. thought I'm like, I, I get it, mm-hmm. like I know what the process is. Yeah. So once again, that speaks back to there was no conspiracy to bump me all those times, but I do think that how I responded, um, oh, was, you know, is is super important. Yeah, it's important. It's I mean, important. I mean, yeah. the statement in it is, I want my script free regardless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get the script fee. And, how much was cut, you yeah. still got paid. Yeah, you get so. the script fee, you get the screen credit, you right. get the whatever, and nobody knows how that you were supposed right. to write another episode. It's not, it's yeah. not even important. But they don't know that you no, were rewritten no, 25% no, yeah. or whatever. No, exactly. No, 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 no
Guess what? Give me another episode if you want. I still want my script for <laughs> right. you. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah. So so those are some of the some of the sort of practical things that you learn along the way. That once again, like nobody sits you down and tells you. I do feel that there are probably more programs available through the Writers Guild nowadays. Definitely. That that are specifically geared towards. Okay, you're a staff writer. We're going to bring in some co-EPs and some showrunners mm-hmm. to basically sit you down for an hour and a half, give you some do's and don'ts, mm-hmm. and then have a big Q&A at the end. Right. You're a, a, a script coordinator, mm-hmm. and you want to break into your first thing. Here's some do's and same thing. So um, not yeah. to mention... And we're, I don't mean trust, we're doing one now with the education committee. I'm the vice chair of the education committee. We're doing one now on when writers go to set. Oh, yes. Because there's not enough of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Another thing that I had to learn. Because once again... And you're somebody who's been on set. Well, but but I'll take it... At at the time, I'll I'll take it back to Sofit once again. The... the, One of the the first times that I went to set Mm -hmm. to cover an episode that I had written, um, uh, I did okay. I probably... Uh, spoke up way more than I should have. <laughs> there were certain things that I knew the specific thing. Because mm-hmm. what happens when you're on staff is, you know, the showrunner will come to the writer's room very often. Mm-hmm. And before you even get to talking about story stuff, they like often, they often like to sort of decompress about certain other things that have nothing to do with their writing. Right. Right. Because they're a writer too. Mm-hmm. They're very comfortable in, in that space. <clears throat> And they will begin to talk about something that some director did or something that the network did or something that the studio did and they'll just sort of vent and then you get to and then you get to work. Mm -hmm. So in the course of that, you sort of learn some of the things your showrunner likes and doesn't like. And there was one specific thing that I knew uh, Felicia uh, uh, didn't care for. um, And so that when I went to set, I kept hovering over the director's shoulder trying to make sure he didn't do this thing <laughs> that Felicia didn't want done. And I thought I was doing the right thing because I was there to be the eyes and ears of the showrunner. Right. Um, and then I sort of got a little talking to at some point, like, you know what? Note it. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Say your thing. Mm-hmm. Say you, you know, watch a couple takes. Say your thing and then just let the director do what they do mm-hmm. because the director's been vetted too. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so there again, yeah, not knowing, not knowing set etiquette. Right. You know, not knowing... Uh, you can't go up to an actor and say, we need you to, you to say the line like this because <laughs> next week your character dies <laughs> right. and we want to pay it off. We want to set it up here. Like you can't like divulge stuff that's happening right. further down the road. Like that's an extreme example. But, right. but in general, you need to be very discreet about what you communicate and, to and the actor, actors. And, and actors will come to you and, and try to get information yeah, yeah. from you too. You think you're just yeah, hanging out being yeah, nice. Yeah. They're like, well, what happened yeah. to my character then? No, these, these <laughs> actors know that you, you think they don't know mm-hmm. but when, when you're new. But mm-hmm. actors know the difference between, like they can smell a staff writer, right. story editor versus a co-EP. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes when you're a staff writer, they'll just ignore you. <laughs> and sometimes they'll buddy up to you because they know, you know, right. you might have more loose lips than the, than the, than the co-EP <laughs> might. Um, so there are all kinds of things. Yeah, so, so set etiquette is huge. It's a huge thing that, that I was never taught. Mm-hmm. I had to basically um, make a series of, of mistakes, none of which were fireable, yeah. thankfully. Mm-hmm. But, but I learned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in addition, it's like now there are all kinds of, because of the web, mm-hmm. There are articles and interviews right. and podcasts and things that you, if you really are serious about it, you will research and find these things mm-hmm. that just were never told to me and a lot of people who started out around the same time as I did. <clears throat> and well, go ahead. Go I was going to say, you know, I mean, the thing about 
set etiquette is also, um, you know, so many writers who that's not even really part of their game plan mm-hmm. to go to set to be his production. It's such a, it's such a the the frequency is so different than than any kind of writing, mm-hmm. and it's a different hierarchy, you know, that's going on, and and it's it's interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, and you know, and it's like you have the obligation to be kind of like the badge for the show at mm-hmm. that time. But you're right. It's like, it's different depending on what your level is. You know, there's yeah. a, a lot of things that change and I, and you're right. I mean, look, look, that's where people think that's where the magic happens. You know, it doesn't because they shoot so slowly. It's mm-hmm. the weird stuff. I mean, there's magic happening, but it's different. You know, mm-hmm. I always joke with my brother about you know, there's there's probably two people on set who are like who are in this frenzy the whole time: mm-hmm. the cinematographer and the director. Mm-hmm. And everyone's just kind of just like waiting back for things to stop, start, mm-hmm. everything like that. And I think that that's like a big thing that if your plan is to be either directing episodes or to be show running and things like that, you, you like, like, like you have to get that experience mm-hmm. because that's like a big thing for you to control what's going to happen. I mean, there's a guy that I'm working with now at the Beverly Hills playoffs. So I'm taking classes. He's the cinematographer on the affair, mm-hmm. you know, and he's taking classes <laughs> there as, as the, to be a director because, you know, the showrunner said, okay, next, this season coming up, we're going to get you on. Mm-hmm. But, those actors are beasts and you got to be able to like, like, like get them to go quickly and mm-hmm. fast and efficiently. And he's like, okay, so this is what I got to do to do that. And it's mm-hmm. like, there's so much that is beyond the writing game that is, um, that you have to learn. And, yeah. and, and people won't, and people don't, again, just go there. But, but you're right. There's, there's, there's not many offenses that will get you fired. I mean, but the fear is, a lot of shit gets you fired, <laughs> but you, but you know, but it's not. And, and conversely, the there are some showrunners who don't like to go to set. Right. Yeah, they want to stay in their office. They want to write. They want to be in the right. edit bay. They're about to hang out in the edit and bay. And they are right. happy to send their number mm-hmm. two or their co EP or whatever to set to handle right. you know difficult actors. And you know, um, so so it varies. All, everything, every show is is different. Now let's get into. Um, I know you've been on a been on a bunch of shit. So what what led you to Empire? And what led you to Power? What led me to Empire was uh, my health insurance was running out, <laughs> and I needed a keep, job. Keep it real, Larry. I love and it. And I said to my agents at the time, I need a job, yeah. and I uh, met on a bunch of shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I saw, when I read the uh, Empire pilot, mm-hmm. um, one thing that we sort of skipped over, it was that uh, even before I uh, got into writing for television, I was a music video director right. uh, for a living for a number of years. And I bring that up just to say that when I read the Empire pilot, I thought this is really good, mm-hmm. but it reads like it's written by someone who doesn't have a whole lot of interaction with record labels. Mm. And in hindsight, I can see that the the mechanics of running a record label were not really the the priority of the show. Mm-hmm. It was the characters and the family drama and all that kind of stuff, which is fine. <laughs> But um, uh, at the time, I felt like, okay, well, this is, some, this, is, this is my wheelhouse, or it was for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I interviewed for it three times. I interviewed with Fox, and then with Imagine, and then with the showrunner. Okay. Um, and then got the job. And so, uh, uh, and, and there was no way of knowing. You were at on the, the time. you were at, at the beginning. I was at, right? at the beginning, yeah. Right. Started with episode one hundred two, mm-hmm. um, and and we had really 
written and uh, and almost finished shooting the entire first season because it was, it was a mid-season replacement. Right. It didn't air. We started shooting in the fall, but it didn't air until January mm-hmm. of 2014, I believe. Um, we were almost done with the first season mm-hmm. when the pilot aired. And there was no way of knowing how it was going to be received. I think people had very high hopes. Mm-hmm. I remember the marketing was bananas. Yeah. Um, everywhere you went in the yeah. weeks leading they up were, to the pilot. The shit out of yeah, it. it was to the point where I was like, they should really cut back on this because <laughs> I'm getting sick of it. And I've been in the writer's room for the last, you know, four or five months. Um, and then it came out and it did what it did. And I remember because when it when the when the pilot aired, it was our last week in the writer's room. Okay. So we premiered to uh, way better numbers than anybody was expecting. Mm-hmm. But I think, and I'm sure a lot of other people thought, you know, the way it typically happens is the ratings will go down in season two. Mm-hmm. At least by some, it was just a question of by how much. Mm-hmm. Because this is what normally happens. Mm-hmm. People sample it. And they check it out. They say, okay, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to watching CSI mm-hmm. Newark or whatever. <laughs> Newark. Um, and I remember, <laughs> I, I remember the, the following Thursday, mm-hmm. I'm checking. I was at the gym and I was checking my phone because I was. It was like late morning, early afternoon right. when the when the preliminary ratings sort of come out. And I have certain people that I follow on Twitter who have um, who basically deal with with ratings information. Mm-hmm. So I'm checking them and refreshing, and I saw that the ratings had ticked up in week two. Hmm. And still, I was like, "Well, okay, well, that's cool, mm-hmm. but <laughs> it's going to come. We know it's going to happen. Three. Right. Week three is going to come down. Right? It's just a matter of, of by how much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was nice for this one week little period to sort of bask in the glow of mm-hmm. the having achieved this rare feat of the ratings going up from week one to week two. Right. Literally, the following Thursday, I'm checking, and I see that we went up again. Because <laughs> well, it was a Wednesday show. It was a, it was a Wednesday show. show. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and that's when I, I, I hate to keep saying this, but it's real. I said I get to keep my health insurance for another uh. year. <laughs> I'm good. We'll be back. Yeah, we'll, we'll be, be back. back. So, yeah. so all I wanted, you know, all you, I think anybody really wants are most people, when, when you have a new show, mm-hmm. you know, I joined Power. Uh, we're working on, season five is airing now. Um, and we're writing season six. So I stepped into an, an existing successful show. Mm. Um, but when you're working on a brand new show and you have no idea what it's going to do, the thing you want more than anything is like, can we at least get two seasons? Right. Because that way it's not a fluke. <laughs> right. I get my title bump. I get yes. my whatever. Yes. Uh, and then it can do whatever it needs to do from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, don't, you just don't want to be one of these shows that gets canceled in, after seven episodes because mm-hmm. it just bombed and never recovered. Um, and so anyway, the, the, the sort of story of Empire's first season is, is sort of, I guess, I assume, well known. Um, you know, it, it, it went up and up and up mm-hmm. every week. Um, people were saying that it, 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 it um, saved, scripted, or broadcast because mm-hmm. everything was you know moving to the Netflix and moving to right. Amazon and moving to HBO and blah blah and uh, it became appointment TV. How many did you guys do on that? First season was thirteen. Okay. Um, and uh, actually, no, I think the first season was, was might have been twelve. It was, it was twelve. Yeah. yeah, because we were originally it was thirteen, mm-hmm. and I remember somewhere around the middle of us writing the first season, we got informed by the network. Once again, they're, they're, they had done some sort of network math, mm-hmm. and they had decided we're, we're going to do one fewer episode. And they made it clear that it wasn't because they didn't have faith in the show. <laughs> it was just some corporate right. air date issue that made them feel like 12 was better than 13. Mm-hmm. 
It might have had something to do with American Idol that was on at the time or something. There was mm-hmm. some sort of airing. But it's Fox. It's they, a black show. Yeah. <laughs> you got Murdoch there. Well, but know. here's the thing. I, you know, <laughs> people people are quick to say that. I also feel like uh, uh, the the easiest thing for them to have done was not put it on the air at all. Right. right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like I, I still to this day hear from people who's like, yeah, I love the show, but it's Fox and there's mm-hmm. Rupert Murdoch. And I'm like, you yeah, well, and you know, and I'm like, well, the time that I was there, we had um, virtually no inner, like there was nothing that we couldn't do. Hmm. You know, anything we want. I mean, we did a blowjob bit right. in the first right. season right. on broadcast primetime sure television. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so it was sort of like, for the most part, it was like anything goes. We had an episode where yeah, Hakeem, it felt like cable a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we definitely. had an episode where <laughs> where Hakeem uh, uh, said some unkind things about President Obama. Right. And I remember Black Twitter was oh, like, yeah. "Okay, Empire, yeah. <laughs> we're with you, but you're pushing us. Yeah, y'all doing extra. Over we'll there. give you a pass this one time." <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was really yeah, like he had that thing on. The, it was on his phone, and he got yes, caught. Yes, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So it was really this feeling of anything goes mm-hmm. at the time. And then what happens is, you know, uh, and this is my first experience working on something that that successful. Um, uh, uh, Instead of saying, you know what, guys, you gave us a hit. Mm-hmm. We trust you. Keep doing what you do. You <laughs> get the opposite. Really start getting in. Yeah. Man. Then you get okay. Well, everybody, you know, you know, there's that expression. Um, success has many fathers. Failure is an orphan. Mm-hmm. Empire has a lot. Came up with a whole lot of fathers. Mm. Season two. Interesting. Because everybody swore they knew why it was successful. Mm-hmm. And that they were the reason why it was successful. Right. And okay. here's what you got to do to keep it successful. Everybody is chef all of a sudden. Exactly. exactly. And then they're exactly. trying to like, you know, like it's like, what's that, what's that, there's that phrase in basketball, you know, they try to pull it, you know, it's right, like, right. no. Oh, they put it, yeah, when they're shooting, like they're shooting free throws and they're like, oh, he should have pulled a string. It's like, no. Yeah. No yeah. one knows. You can't, once the ball has left your hand, you can't do right. anything right. to you change. Do. You don't. But the, but the thing about Empire was even though, I mean, there was a lot of concern over as the show went on that the ratings had dipped but I remember listening to uh, to Jesse Smollett do a, a mm-hmm. podcast interview recently and he compared it to uh, Michael Jackson releasing Thriller mm-hmm. and then releasing Bad right. you know because Thriller did such amazing yeah, once in a lifetime it. numbers <laughs> exactly and then Bad came out And mm-hmm. people were like Oh Bad was a flop It's like no Bad sold better Than everybody else <laughs> Everybody else Right The only thing They didn't do better than <laughs> Was, was the Thriller Yeah <laughs> so, so So I say that to say That there are a lot of shows That would kill For Empire Season 4 ratings Right, mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. You know uh, They would happily Take trade, trade places mm-hmm. Um and I, I, I credit the the audience, you know, a, a lot for that because mm-hmm. it's like they they fell in love with the with these characters, yeah. um, and and stuck with them. Um, but anyway, can I, can I ask you a quick question? Yes. So what? Because I always try to put myself in a position of the listeners, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm listening, going, okay, we're talking to a producer level, you know, writer on mm-hmm. on, a t- on a hit TV show. What makes you leave? <laughs> But just, I mean, right. as much as you can say, right. what makes you, make you leave Empire and go to Power, a new show that is the three seasons in, whatever the fuck you... There's, you there's no secret, and it, and it was nothing sinister. Okay. Um, Empire's a hard show. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of moving pieces it's a soap. on that show. And it's difficult. It's a soap, and it's like, you know, every... And it's serialized, right. which means you can't repeat your storylines. Right. 
uh, one of the mandates from the very beginning of Empire was that the way we would use music is we wouldn't just stop the story and have a performance. Mm-hmm. Music had to be woven into the plot right. somehow. Yeah. Like a musical. Like to, a, yeah, ba- yeah, basically. Has to push the story forward. Um, and, and, you know, you have big personalities, mm-hmm. not only in the cast, but just the characters themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it takes a lot out of you. Um, and uh, by and, and by the time I got to by the time I finished season four mm-hmm. of Empire, I felt like I had kind of accomplished everything that I had set out okay. to do. Right. You know, I had made it to co EP level. Mm-hmm. I directed an episode, mm-hmm. got into the director's guild, um, and and more health insurance for more health insurance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I got to a point where I was like, I don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. Like, how many times can Cookie barge into a room? <laughs> and, and I said, okay, well, I could go back, but I would love to. And also, I got to a point where I felt like I can write an episode of Empire in two days. Mm. Like, I know what the beats are. That's what I know I'm what's expected. Yes. Uh, I know what not to do. Mm-hmm. And that there's a comfort zone in that, but there's also a feeling of, like, there are certain creative muscles that I'm not allowed to flex because the show is what it is. Mm-hmm. So I began looking for something different. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, an opportunity came along with, uh, with Power. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a really good uh, first meeting uh, with uh, the number two over there, uh, Gary Lennon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hit it off immediately. I'm mm-hmm. like, I like this guy. I could work with him. Right. Um, and then uh, Courtney Kemp, the creator and showrunner, was in New York at the time. Love her. She was working on, on another pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we ended up doing a Skype interview. And we also hit it off uh, pretty immediately to the point where, like, I, I, I will never forget, we were in the middle of the conversation. She was saying something. She was in the middle of a, of a sentence. And she stopped herself and she was like, oh, you're hired, by the way. And then she just went on and finished her <laughs> sentence. And I'm sitting there holding my wow. phone like... <laughs> I think I just got the job. Wait, wait, wait. Can we because, stop? Hold that? on, let me, let me, let me just say. Let me let me explain. Because this is this is what normally happens. You have one, two, three meetings, however many, mm-hmm. and you go home and you sit. You wait. And you wait. Yes. And you don't hear anything. Mm-hmm. And you're calling your agent or your manager. Have they called yet? How about now? Right. How about now? They're like, bitch, it was 10 minutes <laughs> yeah, ago. Leave me right, now. <laughs> right. So, so it's normally a very, the, the process of getting work normally, for me at least, mm-hmm. is a very nerve-wracking experience right. mm-hmm. because you're waiting, literally waiting. By, is my ringer on? Is it, is a, is a, you right. know, you're like, you're literally right. waiting by the phone <laughs> for it to ring. So it never, it, for me, it, it almost never happens that, you that quickly. You can't even be in the gym and join yourself. No. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, okay, so go, go. No, 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 no. I, I just was saying, I, I, I wasn't, it was, it was, it, I just was saying, I was talking about your mindset. You were like, wait, 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 stop, Courtney. Can you just repeat what you said? No, 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 no. Go back to your statement. Just you don't interrupt anybody when know, they say the word you're hired. You just like, just keep talking, keep talking. It's funny because it's a, it's a similar story in terms of like the, the it, it comes out of left field in a sense from what um, Stephen Cannells was saying right. about, about Pose. He was having the meeting with Ryan Murphy and then he's like, um, I'll business affairs call you and he just left the meeting and he was like <laughs> yeah. well, okay what does that mean yeah, what does that yeah. mean am I am we going to show I mean, yeah. yeah it's just it's, yeah, it's, it's back to the idea that there are certain things that you're just not prepared for nobody mm-hmm. prepares you for mm-hmm. like nobody ever tells you oh well if he says business affairs you're good 
Like you sit there stunned for a minute. Like, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> Contracts. Like specifically. <laughs> like I think I know what it means, right. but I dare not hope that it means what I think it means <laughs> because it sounds too damn good to be true. Right. 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 And yeah, right. sometimes right. it does. It sometimes it does happen. You know, uh, 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 just that fast. So, and also when I was talking to my reps, um, uh, uh, they were very uh, interested in because once again, speaking about trends in the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, premium cable credits for writers yeah. and streaming Amazon, Netflix, HBO, Stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, and I, this is nothing, this is something I've just been told, mm-hmm. it, this is now the, the quote unquote hot thing. Uh, so moving, so my agents really wanted me to move from broadcast, broadcast to premium. Hmm. I've heard the same thing about directing right. is that, that if you direct broadcast people don't want you on people don't want to hire you hmm. on premium if you have a lot of you know like broadcast credits i've heard the, hmm. i've heard it that way and, and i've heard the reverse huh. if you've done a whole bunch of netflix stuff then people who do cbs are like mm, yeah but can he do can he or she do right. it cbs style right. so there's all these preconceived notions and myths and whatever's that you have to constantly navigate right. so anyway um, um, you know, uh, you know, I did my my homework, and I saw that uh, something that I didn't know, which was that Power was the number two premium cable show behind Game of Thrones. Wow! Oh yeah! And then, yeah. Oh yeah! Yeah! It's Huge! Great. Yeah! Huge! Yeah. Okay. So I had been for the previous four years. I had really been in this sort of empire tunnel mm-hmm. in terms of my mind state. Like I was aware of other shows. I watch other shows. I'm not always aware of like how deep their fandom goes or how their ratings go or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, since since so to answer your question, the there was sort of a, a combination of the creative challenge mm-hmm. that made me want to make the move, and also the business challenge. Like, okay, well, it's time for me to mm-hmm. move on and 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 do something. Yeah, four else. years is a long time. Yeah, four years is a long time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there I are people too who because I don't even watch four seasons of a show usually because yeah. I get I get tired of. But look, there happening. are people who have no desire to ever be a showrunner. Who would love nothing more than to be on a in a writer's room on any given show right. for a hundred years? Yeah, and yeah. they will pitch the same idea over and over again. <laughs> they will happily do it, and I, I don't fault them at all. I mean, it's a perfectly viable way to make a living. Right. Like you said, you put your kids through private school, you get a house, you get a car, and this is just what you do. Right. You know, because I've, I've had the opposite. I've had the, you know, I've been the starving artist. Mm-hmm. So I don't begrudge anybody who's like, I'm here to make a living. Right. As long as you're good at what you do. Mm-hmm. Then you know. Then you don't necessarily have to be aspiring to have eight shows on the air. Right. Um, so anyway, um, I made the the transition from from Empire to Power just a few months ago, hmm. and uh, I'm actually uh, supposed to be working on my outline for my episode right now. So I'm on mine. I'll be yeah. I'll be doing that later on today. But but it's been a, it's been a really good experience, and also I feel like. For writers, one other reason why I think it's good to not stay on the same show too long is because you learn, like, TV shows are all basically made the same way. But there are specific approaches and techniques that mm-hmm. will vary from show to show. Yeah, you can get some habits. And from, yeah, and from, <laughs> and from showrunner to showrunner. Right. And I felt like, you know, it would be, just be good to get some exposure to a different, a slightly different way of doing things. Like, there are already things that I've picked up on. 
uh, from Power that I kind of knew, like in theory, but mm-hmm. when you actually are in the environment, right. it sort of like you know gets into your into your under your skin, mm-hmm. um, and that's all been it's been a great education. In addition to being a good creative challenge, right. because they're they're you know we're dealing with a whole different set of characters. Obviously, mm-hmm. the tone is different. Hmm. You know, we're not writing the commercial breaks. All those mm-hmm. like technical writing things, right. um, they're they're different. Mm-hmm. And also just the the showrunner's vision and how Courtney likes to execute things. How many pages are your scripts? Um, I don't know because I haven't written one. Okay. Uh, I think the goal is to have them somewhere around. 56, 58. Okay. Oh, they're long. Yeah, they're a little okay. bit long. Oh, because there's no commercials. Duh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and then, again, some shows like their We're scripts like 48 long. 48 or something. Like oh, really? Yeah, short. yeah. Yeah, I think on Empire, because of the music, yeah. our scripts, we had, we, every year they got shorter. Hmm. Because every more year we realized, like, and it wasn't even that it was more songs, it's just that the, the songs needed room to breathe. Right. So season one, we were doing, like, 50-page scripts. Okay. Season two, they were 48-page scripts. I'm just throwing out general numbers. Right. Like, season three, they were like, nah, we 40. need to do, like, yeah. I think we got down to about, like, 42 pages by, wow. like, season four or so. Oh, wow. um, and that's a whole lot of characters to service mm-hmm. in, in that short amount of time. Right. Let me ask you a question. This is something that, that came up in, in your thinking and not. I remember when <clears throat> I, I, Power and Empire kind of premiered around the same time. Yes. And there was a lot of talk among people that I know about, like, trying to determine, you know, which was, like, more of an authentic show, mm-hmm. in a sense. And a lot of people I know were always pointing at Power because it being a cable show, there's more freedom to do stuff, right. the violence, the sex, the storylines, and things like that. And so now that you've been working on both, I mean... Like, was that any kind of consideration of yours when it came up? Just, I mean, or, I mean, like, I'm sure there were some other shows that came up that were premium shows that mm-hmm. outside of power. Mm-hmm. But did it, did it feel like, like a good jump because you were, you were staying in a similar, um, I don't know what, like, I'm not say similar world, but like a similar, a similar, similar storytelling pace, you know? I don't consider, being the literally the only person in the world who's written for both shows now, yeah, um, I, I feel like I have a little bit of a unique insider's perspective. Exactly I, I don't consider the show similar at all. Okay, I think their similarities are very surface and superficial. Hmm. You know, they're both black. Ghost got a club. Lucy's got a club. <laughs> right, right, right. right. <laughs> you know, That's it. Uh, Ghost Ghost has shot people. Lucy's has shot people. Like <laughs> yes, those kinds of things. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. The execution of both shows. Couldn't be farther apart. Mm. Uh, 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 yes, power is much grittier uh, in, in ways that Empire can't be because it's broadcast, right. but also never really aspired to be. Uh, uh, Empire always, at least from the beginning, mm-hmm. was more in the dynasty, Dallas, like prime time mold. That's why everything was always like so larger Big. than life. <laughs> right. Exaggerated. Yeah, like exactly. that's the tone of that show. Mm-hmm. It was brighter. Mm-hmm. It was more in your face. Yes. Um, uh, uh, power feels like the wire coming back. Or power, something. Yeah, yeah. Power is, power is, is breaking bad. Power mm-hmm. is like, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, it's, 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 there's, there's no, and this is what I meant when I said earlier, where I said there were certain creative muscles that I couldn't really flex mm-hmm. on Empire that I do now. Mm-hmm. I would be using the same muscles yeah. if they were the same shows in any sort of like substantial sort of sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you can do a, a much more 
explicit sex scene on Power than you could on Empire, but that doesn't really affect the writing. No, no, you know, the yeah, story yeah. Is still is still you know got to well, be the I just, story. I just, you know, I remember just times <clears> in, in it, I I don't remember there was to, there's times in Power I felt like it kind of reached this there's 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 episodes where they would do things that felt more impressionistic is what I would say mm-hmm. in terms of like the storytelling the filmmaking mm-hmm. you know like these is introspective in a way mm-hmm. that I don't recall seeing in Empire and I feel that's one of the things about power that I always enjoyed about the show a lot is that there's a burn to that show you know that 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 the, that, that I always thought uh, just watching it there's just there's just an intensity mm-hmm. I think it's because of the fact you were saying that there's not this big soap yeah. because there's there's hardly any like down moments in Empire you mm-hmm. know it, it, it can't just it doesn't have the tone of the show right. I feel that's what makes power to me it was always more of a um, it was more compelling of a show mm-hmm. but that's just from audience member you know not right. just, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a better show or worse show but I'm just curious I mean I, I'm, I'm, I think you have a very unique position like you said that you're the only writer who's written for both mm-hmm. because you get to now you know like deal with these two shows that are these like these semi, these 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 pillars of black television on right now because <laughs> right. I remember talking with Carmi um, Zlotnick mm-hmm. in January uh, he was telling me that like that powers their huge show mm-hmm. it, it, oh yeah it basically like allows them to fund other it's keeping the lights doing. on over at Star yeah. let's be real <laughs> I, was like, I was like really yeah. that seems crazy yeah. he's like yeah that's how we're doing it yeah so um but it's kind of similar like that. At, at, at the time when Empire premiered at Fox, it kind of like gave them such a boost. Oh, yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, I mean, they have a couple shows that are doing well now, but it, for, for a long time, for a few seasons, it was like over at Fox, it was like there's Empire and there's everything else. Yeah. Um, um, so there again, you know, there's a similarity between the two shows in terms of what they mean <laughs> to their respective networks. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I and I will see. I have seen lots of comments on social media where people will say, you know, I like Empire better than Power. I like Power better than Empire. Mm-hmm. I used to like Empire now. I like Power. <laughs> I used to like Power now. And it's like right, there's right, this right. ongoing because it's all we perceive, got. <laughs> but, it, all, but it's yeah. not. But though. I mean, but in the sense that, in the sense that, that like you said. In the sense that the drama mm-hmm. is that heightened, right. there's not that many other shows to right. compare it to. Right, but I feel like, you know, in, in, the, in the wake of both of these shows, mm-hmm. you know, this whole spectrum has opened up. Mm-hmm. You know, you got, you know, you didn't have Queen Sugar, right. you know, six mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't have um, uh, Greenleaf. Mm-hmm. You didn't have. Uh, I mean, there were there were a couple of other black shows, but mm-hmm. but but none that really sort of penetrated the way that that Empire and Power have. They did the season five premiere for Power at uh, Radio City Music Hall uh, uh-huh. about a month ago, mm-hmm. uh, three or four weeks ago, um, and uh, all the writers went. And uh, in addition to Radio City being packed, like there was a line of people outside the door down the block and around the corner. Mm. And I really honestly had no <laughs> clue that the fandom for that show ran that deep. Mm. It's one thing to hear. Mm-hmm. It's a, you know, the number two rated mm. show on premium cable behind Game of Thrones. It's like, that's just a statistic, mm-hmm. basically. When you see Put in motion, a line man. of black people mm-hmm. standing in the rain trying to get <laughs> in, um, it makes it much more tangible and more real. Mm. And, and, you know, when you hear them react to things that happen in the in the episode, mm-hmm. it's 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 crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and ironically, uh, 
a year ago, Empire had its season two, maybe it was two years ago, season two premiere at Carnegie Hall. Wow. So we all went to New York. For, so I have this sort of like recurring thing of going to New York, mm-hmm. seeing these shows, season premieres at these iconic, you know, sort of venues, venues yeah, and being yeah. able to see how the audience reacts to, uh, to, to watching it live. You know, so so it's been a great experience. And I'm also, you know, there I did another podcast a while ago where, where people were asking me about uh, to address the rivalry between power and empire. And I was like, there's no <laughs> there rivalry. No rivalry. That, that there's like no, that. no. They're, they're, that's they're, they're, like, <laughs> see, that's the, the, like, that's, again, the social media. Right. Yeah, there's, a, yeah. there's a rivalry there, the right. fans. It can be only there's one. The fans yeah. Have yeah, yeah, there's always right. a rivalry right. with fans with shit like that. Right. But I, I mean, I, I from from my experience, people I know, everyone who writes and works in those shows is happy because it's like, this is us doing our shows yeah. and it's mm-hmm. successful. And, and, and as long as our shows are successful like that, there's more opportunity. Yeah, right? exactly. So it's not like, you know, it's not Marvel versus DC, right? you know, trying to kill each other. It's <laughs> like, we got, we very clearly like, your old stories, your, your telenovela and the other one mm-hmm. is a very gritty drama. Like right. they don't, what's your boys? And I, I can't remember the actor's <laughs> name, but the guy who plays Tommy on empire, he like, wait, Tommy, on power, you mean power, 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 <laughs> yes. power. Yeah, I mean, like he's interesting. I, I, I Joseph, don't know. Jo- what's his last name? Um, he's an interesting character to me. Yeah. He's such an interesting character to me because Joe Sakura. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, I, I knew it. It was, it was the tip of my tongue. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Because like he's such a um, he's such a hand grenade character. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I think it's interesting to have. You know, like uh, I mean, it's it's not, it's not just that he's a white. I just I just think that's such a great character. Who's right. like he, you know, like you never know what's going to. He's happen. taking that wigger to another level, isn't he? Well, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but you never know right. what's going to happen, yeah. how he's going to behave, how he's going to respond. Mm-hmm. And I think that adds this level of like it's an inherent anxiety about yeah. the show that yeah. I think is really is it's is that's great. That creative muscle you could flex to deal yeah. with such a an unstable, mm-hmm. um, unpredictable character. Right. I think out of it. Personally, out of everyone, I think he's my favorite. But mm-hmm. he's, yeah. yeah, people do love Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you just never know. Like he right. can go from Good Morning to thro- literally throwing hand grenades mm-hmm. in like two seconds. <laughs> you just don't know what you're going to get until you get it, and right. by then it might be too late. Mm-hmm. So that's for that. Well, yeah. thank you, man. This is cool. Well, thank you. I had, I a, I had a good time. Appreciate having you. Finally, after all this. Yes, time. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but you busy is good. We all busy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, trying to get thing. the health insurance. Trying, trying. Yes. <laughs> oh, he got that. Yeah, see, people, <laughs> see, see, people don't. Um, people think that's funny, but it's, it's real. It's no, real. it really is real. It's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. real. It runs it's out. Really, yeah. it runs out. Yes. And it's always that thing where that once you qualify, you still got to wait a quarter. Yeah. And you're like, damn it, I got to get my teeth cleaned or I got to get see the doctor. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you can't. You got to wait. And it's really. And you always have it like while you're working. And never so use it's it. Like, and never use it. And then yeah. when you're off, yeah. it's like, that's when I needed it. Yeah. Because that's right. what the, you know why? Because that's when the stress is. <laughs> exactly. yeah. You should be able to put it on hold. No, people, people right. really do. I mean, I, I say these things all the time. Like, I'll say things on Twitter. Like, people will say, like, uh, what's your favorite part of writing? And I'll say, like, residuals. Like, yeah. like green envelopes. Yeah, green envelopes. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I say it jokingly, but also seriously, because there is a practical business right. side of this mm-hmm. that, you don't ever really want to lose sight of. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be so in love with your creative vision mm-hmm. that that's all you have. Right. It's like you need to fight for you know as much money as you can get when your reps are negotiating your deals. You don't just be happy to be there. Right. 
you know, um, things like keeping your eye on your health insurance and your residuals and all that stuff. It's like the, this is as much a part of the business. This is the business part of, of, of being a, a TV writer, not just coming up with cool ideas. Well, yeah, because I think what people don't get is, is that, you know, like you become an independent contractor. You're making this money. So, you know, so you're not necessarily putting money into like Medicare mm-hmm. and uh, and the Social Security the way you would if you, you would at another job. Mm-hmm. So you have to be a lot more aware of what's happening, you know, with your finances, you know, because I meet people all the time who who on a show make a lot of money. Something happens and they don't work for a while and then they're fucked because they didn't do the money right. Well, you right. change your lifestyle too. You're yeah. like, oh, I'm making this much money. It's right. like, right. I haven't spent a dime yet. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It could all be gone. It could all be gone. And like, you, know, you get very accustomed to eating out no, every night when you're on staff and the, and the checks are coming in and they're right. just showing up and all of a sudden the show's over right. and it's like, oh, okay, I got to readjust. Because I, I made that mistake too right. years ago. Right. I, I, after Hawaii uh, got canceled, I assumed I was going to work again mm-hmm. fairly immediately mm-hmm. and I had a big nest egg mm-hmm. saved up from all the years that I had been working so I didn't bother adjusting my lifestyle I didn't scale back right. and then like one day six months later I'm looking at my bank account like where's all my fucking money going <laughs> <laughs> it's like you keep eating out right. yeah. you keep going to the movies yeah. you've been taking trips mm-hmm. thinking that the next job was right around the corner mm-hmm. and that's how you learn like oh yeah you need to immediately adjust right. your lifestyle if you are in between seas unless you know with certainty mm-hmm. That you're going back to a show in a few months, mm-hmm. you need to, you know, have your little come to Jesus moment and say, "Okay, <laughs> I will wait right. before I buy X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to buy a new car." Well, I had a, you know? I had a manager I had a envelope to come in before right. I get that yeah. car. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I had a manager years ago when I, I used to be an actor years ago, and he told me when I got this TV show I was on, he's like, "Don't spend a dime for a year." And I'm like, well, "Why a year?" He's like, "Just trust me on this." And what happens is you learn over a year's time to adjust to what you were mm-hmm. so you don't start changing what you want to be you know what right. I mean? you don't start going crazy yeah. because you're still used to just living the way you lived yeah. before but now you just have this little nest egg sitting there you know in your pocket and you're like oh so now i can go another six months and not have to pay any rent right you know what i mean right you should always be so basically it taught me to be six months ahead all the time yeah yeah you know yeah, yeah. I, mean? I remember just real, real quick before we wrap up sure. i remember you reminded me of once again, back in my music video days, I remember I was talking to this guy who was a manager, and he would always tell his young clients, who were usually young black musicians, mm-hmm. if you sign, when you sign your first deal and you get that signing bonus, mm-hmm. whatever you do, do not go out and blow that big check. <laughs> Don't do it. You're going to be right. tempted. I'm telling you. Right. A, you got to pay all that money back mm-hmm. with, through your sales. Mm-hmm. And B, it just throws off your entire lifestyle. <laughs> and he would say nine times out of ten, he would give that advice and the next time he saw some of his clients, they'd be driving a new car. Right. Every time. New clothes. They can't help. Oh, and yeah. ew, it's not just a new car. It's like right. a new Bentley or some shit yeah, like that. Yeah. 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 Like, what were you doing? I, I, you know what? I said no. Spend yeah. no money. Yeah. Exactly. And you know what? I'd have been cool if you bought like a Honda. Or right. But you got to go get a damn Porsche 911 right. with the rim. Right. Right. But when you're, sure. you, you know, when you're young and you really don't know any better and somebody gives you a gigantic paycheck. Yeah. It scrambles your brain. I but can understand. You but. should do something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. take ten of it yeah. and play. Right. And the rest of it, put right. it away. You know. But what a mean? lot of us don't want to hear that. They don't want. They're like, you know what? Right. It's mine. It's mine. I agree. <laughs> I'm gonna and get I'm, some more. And I'm gonna get some more. <laughs> so why not go ahead and blow get it? Get some more first. Yeah. Get some more first. <laughs> right. exactly. is never guaranteed. Yeah. So yeah. so you might want to hold on to that shit anyway. Right. That's what's up. So thanks, man. I appreciate you. Coming Thank you through. for having me. I had a good time. Definitely. Definitely. Um, 
So where you at on social media? Where, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me. Actually, uh, as we record this, I'm uh, in the middle of taking a, a little bit of a Twitter break. Yeah. Uh, because I, w- I was beginning to find, ironically, that I was becoming a little you bit was of a... on there a lot, wasn't It you? was becoming a little bit of a time suck. <laughs> exactly. And it was cutting into my writing time. Right. So I decided I would take a little bit of a break. Yeah. But uh, you can always find me at Eric Haywood okay. and also on uh, Instagram at Eric Haywood. Well, this is going to drop tomorrow. So we'll be blasting. So just retweet it, you know, okay. if you see it. So Perfect. Like that. Where you at, Chris? Unauthorized CBD mm-hmm. on Twitter. Which I'm not on as much. I, people always say I was a time suck. I time suck. I'm like you post more than I do. <laughs> you on there more than I. I know how to like do things where I can like program it. Oh, so I don't even you know, know like I use one of those uh, Hoot Suite to like. Yeah. So maybe I'll have an hour. L- one Lauren day. taught me all that you shit. Know, I just ain't using. Just what did you do for you then? You know? <laughs> um, on Twitter and Instagram, that's that's where you find me. Right. Yeah. Lauren Warren, where you at, girl? I am Lauren P on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Nerds of Prey, I see you. Yeah, Nerds of Prey at Nerds of Prey. Uh, Nerds of Prey podcast. and nerdsofpreypodcast.com. What you guys up to these days? What's going on over there? We're actually on summer break okay. for con season. We released our last episode on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Were, you at, were you at um, Comic-Con I last was week? not. Okay. I was there. <sighs> yeah. My show was there. <laughs> they were sold out. <laughs> Why didn't you we go? were watching from afar. Because I was on Outline. Oh, yeah. I just needed to write. Yeah. But we, yeah, we did a wrap-up and uh, just some set out some goals of people and things that we wanted to do for next season. Mm-hmm. Um, but we reconvene in September. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Ooh, that's what's that. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. I say Twitter like I'm cool. <laughs> um, you can follow the show, Screenwriters RR, on Twitter. Any questions, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to. Give us a five star review. We need that for the metrics. Follow us on Facebook. Instagram, I already said Instagram. Uh, support oh, the Patreon yes, page. Let's about to get into support that. the Patreon. We finally page. got a Patreon. Can you believe it? Like I a didn't month notice. ago. Yeah, we're working on it. Yeah, Chris finally stepped up and just hooked it all up. So, oh, yeah. I'm going to have to work with you guys. So, he got some shirts. Like, Girl, I ain't got no time for that. Uh, <laughs> we just need to hire somebody to do this shit. That's what we need to do. Uh, I don't know anybody, though. Um, <laughs> shout out to Lisa. We'll see you next time, girl. She out there doing her nothing. She just on a panel or something. Um, anyway, so we appreciate you guys. All you guys all over the world who listen to the show, we appreciate y'all, all the countries, um, still top countries, UK, Canada, France, Italy, um, South America is always Mexico. I'm going to <clears> France, though. Australia is a big one. Nice. Um, South Africa. It's a trip. We all over the place. Anyway, and I don't even promote. Um, so <laughs> imagine if we promote it. Uh, imagine if you did. <laughs> My, how that could change. <laughs> My goodness. Anyway, so we appreciate all y'all motherfuckers out there. Um, <laughs> we love y'all. Uh, so everybody joining me. Y'all know how we do it on The Rant Room. On the show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? What kind Peace, y'all. I'ma say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to The Rant Room. Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds Got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline In the 
something in lightning. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, 